Hello and welcome back to JLXP, our second episode here from Korea. As many of you noticed, last week there are two projects going on right now for me. We have Let's Go over on the LCS YouTube channel and we have JLXP, which is being dropped on the JLXP YouTube channel. Throughout the entire World Championship, we'll be bringing you episodes weekly of JLXP and Let's Go, regardless of what happens to North America. I will say we are doing our best to bring the most interesting storylines from the North American perspective. So this week, C9 and Energy are still alive. Uh, we're going to be able to talk to Sven later in this episode. And week two of Swiss is looking to be very exciting. So let's get into it. Okay. Uh, some of the top moments from week one of the Swiss stage for me was, weirdly enough, literally the first game between Team Liquid and T1. And I know it didn't end the way we wanted it to end, but the first 25 minutes of that game definitely started the way that Team Liquid would have wanted it. Piosik at the time, actually felt like he was back to world's form when they made the run back in 2022. I'd say APA, with his Cinder pick into Faker's Oriana, felt like he was holding his own. Summit defended a 2v1 turret dive, was able to turn around to kill. They were actually looking really strong. However, I'd say after that, they kind of fell flat. They played against Energy, who even though they were excited to play at the time, even though Energy had beaten them in back-to-back best-of-fives just in the LCS playoffs, you could tell the internal confidence of Team Liquid was really high when they reacted to the draw. But that game went really poorly. Palafox solo killed APA, Oriana versus Syndra at level two. And in my opinion, that moment definitely flipped a switch somewhere with Team Liquid where I think they lost confidence in their mid laner. And when that type of thing happens, it will ripple through the entire team. So it's not necessarily to make an excuse uh, for Team Liquid losing basically all their games. They'd end their game score at one and four losing to GAM calendar yesterday. By the time you watch this, it's going to be about two or three days ago. It is just a disappointing year for Team Liquid. I won't spend too much time on them, but I do want to give some final thoughts on Team Liquid's year as a whole. I do think it is a team with a lot of talent that spent basically the entire year trying to overcome their inherent team fighting flaws, and they just weren't able to do it. It is so difficult for me to decide whether it is the rookies not having good team fight positioning or the veterans not being good at team fighting, if that makes sense. Because I always felt like Summit and Piosik were never setting up in the correct positions for a front line to allow the carries to succeed. But at the same time, when the carries are the first ones getting hit in fights, you don't know if it's the chicken or the egg in a lot of situations. And I think despite a lot of their ability to get early game leads in North America, they just never pulled it together in team fights. And ultimately, I think, uh, tilted a little bit before that GAM series. But also, not to take anything away from GAM, they played great. They have been actually very close to beating North America in many different situations across their international history. I, the the first experience people had with GAM was back when they called themselves the Gigabyte Marines. I think it was a play-in best of five against TSM where they went up 2-0 to actually, at the time, it would have eliminated TSM from, I believe, the MSI play-ins. And TSM reverse swept them, but they, they, they've been very close for, for quite a while 
Levi was on that team as well. So for him, I imagine this was quite an amazing moment of a half decade long journey to actually, actually take down a North American team in a series at Worlds for the best time. But I do want to talk a bit about some of the overall trends we saw in Champion Select because Worlds metas evolve from stage to stage. And even though we are still in the Swiss stage, because there are two days off, and for some teams, there will be three or four days or even five days without playing games, it gives them an opportunity to step back, react to the things that they've seen on stage. They've been able to step outside of their scrim bubble a little bit, and they may actually make some significant changes to their champion power analysis, basically. So here, here's some stats from the, from the first five days of Swiss, 30 overall games. Oriana is the only champion that has 100% presence. It's 11 picks and 19 bans. It's seven and four. But really, Zaya has been the most impactful champion throughout the Swiss stage. 93% presence. So two games, Zaya somehow made it through the pick and ban phase. But in the 16 picks, it's 14 and two. I look back as well across this entire year uh, with, with Games of Legends. And Zai has been picked about 3,000 times across all the games that that website tracks. And in those 3,000 games, it actually had a 55% win rate, which is really high for that many games in a competitive environment, which makes me think that Zai has been a little bit sleeper OP almost the entire year in terms of the way it fits into the meta. And yeah, I was thinking last night about, about how AD carry metas have developed over the past several years. So 2021 would have been the last time we were almost stuck in this Zaya Kaisa Trist meta. All the way back even to 2019 when Perks was the 80 carry for G2, he was the the 80 carries that he was really good at were Zaya and Kaisa. They're these really versatile 80 carries when engage is strong. Because Kaisa is almost a combo champion in hard engage comps because it allows you to one-shot the first person that gets CC'd as soon as Kaisa gets a little bit fed. And then Zaya, I'd say, would be slightly stronger in lane, is extremely good against dive champions because of the ultimate and the feathers, but then is also better when behind. So of the Zaya-Kaisa, I will usually take Zaya. And then the other meta that we have would be the Aphelios Jinx or Aphelios Jinx Zeri meta, which to me exists when you can keep those people alive. So enchanters need to be a little bit stronger, or dive champions need to be a little bit weaker, which I think because we spent so long in the last year or so in the Zeri, Sivir, Yumi, Lulu meta that people got completely frustrated with, enchanters have been nerfed pretty substantially, engaged champions have been buffed fairly substantially, so Zai is just in this really strong spot. And the adaptation that I expect to change would actually be more Zaya bans, which will bring in a question of what makes it through. So in order, the most banned champion so far in the 30 games was Callista, number one, Maokai, Oriana, Rumble, Poppy, Nico, and then Zaya. So I think Zaya bans will go up. Weirdly enough, I think Callista bans are going to drop. I think they're mostly just going to swap out 
different 80 carry bands. And the reason Callista is a number one band is it is also good against shorter range team compositions. And you can take over a lot of games if you have a strong early game laning phase on the Callista. And I think in the best of three phase that we're now in, there'll be no more best of ones at the World Championship, only best of threes and best of fives. I think teams will be more willing to dare someone to actually beat them with Callista. And you don't need to dare them to beat you with Zaya anymore because it's happened 14 of 16 times. Uh, really, really quickly as well, the reason, like just some of the other champions that Zaya would be good against, I'm going to talk about the most played in each role. So most played top lane is Cassante at 13 games, Jax at 10, Renekton at 10. Uh, jungle is J4 at 11, Vi at 9, Maokai 7, Lee 7, Set 7. Mid, Orion, and Azir. Not necessarily great things for Zaya, but I feel like because of the top jungle pool, Zaya can still fit in there. And then bot lane, Kaisa 19, Zaya 16. And here's the drop after Kaisa Zaya, who are 19 and 16 games. We have Callista, Ezreal, Trista, Felios, and Zeri at three games each. So Zaya Kaisa is five times more picked than any other individual AD carry in the Swiss stage so far. Supports Rakan, Alistair, Rel at 18, 13, and 8 before it drops to Nautilus and Renata at four each. So that's a snapshot of the meta so far. One final Zaya revolving meta note. I did a bit of a deep dive. I tried to look at uh, Games of Legends has this cool feature where you can basically sort all indirect champion matchups and what the win rates are. And the champions that I found with the largest, like with an actual real sample size that Zaya doesn't have a good win rate against are Zoe, Ziggs, Gangplank, and Rumble. So of the top lane pool, Rumble gets banned a lot, but it's the champion that can actually reach Zaya and doesn't necessarily have to dive to take Zaya out of a fight. And if anyone actually has the guts to pull out GP and doesn't get completely steamrolled uh, with turret dives, is actually very effective against Zaya in team fights. But enough on meta. First week of Swiss. Obviously, Team Liquid eliminated, BDS eliminated, and a really good draw. I think. I say that now because we haven't had the two NA versus EU matchups yet. Here's some of my thoughts on Swiss overall, though. I really like the format because, and bear with me, it's very unfair, but doesn't feel very unfair. So one issue, especially from an NA fan's perspective, and I'd imagine EU fans would share a similar sentiment, is wanting to care about your teams deep into the world championship. I think that's part of a thriving international ecosystem where people can have hope for their own teams. And I think as the number of Korean and Chinese teams at the world championship has crept up and isn't really going to be going away anytime soon because DRX, the number four seed from Korea, won the world championship last year. So it would be pretty unthinkable for Riot to no longer allow Korean four seeds to go to Worlds. You have eight slots for the knockout stage and you have eight Korean and Chinese teams. And I feel like if you did an incredibly fair seeding, you'd probably have all of the top seeds be Korea-China. You'd have to go pretty far down before you're going to seed your first EU team based on the recent results. I mean... The last two times that Europe has made it out of group stage at the World Championship, 
they've immediately been 3-0'd in the first round of the bracket stage. That was Rogue last year and Mad in 2021. So it is fairly grim, but then you have a situation like we have now in the Swiss stage where Energy is going to be playing G2 and the winner just gets to go. And not only does the winner get to go, they get to go without a bottom two bracket seed. So they're not going, the winner of that series is not going to play JDG or Genji in the first round of the bracket stage. So there is a small chance that they would also be able to do well in that series. But then in terms of that possibility existing, that means guaranteed one of the Korean or Chinese teams is not making it out of Swiss. However, the fact that they're going to lose to three unique opponents, no matter who those three unique opponents are, gives you the believability that they did have their chance because if they're going to lose to three different opponents, they probably weren't going to win worlds anyway, because ultimately, even though as an NA fan, a lot of times you're fighting over scraps, the ultimate goal of the world championships like is to win, especially for the Korean and Chinese teams. So I've just been a really big fan of the format so far. Another thing that I think I'm looking forward to in the second week of Swiss is if I compare the way the second week of group stage would often go, where group A, B, C, and D would all have their own days and teams would play all within their group on that day to decide the final seating. Most of the time, from a six-game day, one or two of those games would matter. And there were many instances where the first two games of the day would be played. And you'd already know who was going to the bracket stage. And then you basically had like four exhibition games. There will be no dead games ever in Swiss. Every game, every series will be either a series to promote a team to the bracket stage or eliminate a team from a world championship. So that intensity that you feel in the first phase of group stage or Swiss stage is actually going to carry over this time into the second week, which to me is, is really exciting. But now it's time to talk about, uh, it's time to talk about EU versus NA because when energy and G2, well, okay, first off, uh, the draw itself is it it's it basically feels almost like gambling like the payoff that you can get when uh your fate is seemingly decided by an emotionless ref on stage is pretty amazing and the even the fan interaction when when T1 was drawn and energy was still in the pool and the Korean fans started an energy chant to hope to draw them. Uh, probably not great for energy, but I think an amazing, you know, fan moment that uh, multiple regions are kind of buying into to the excitement of Swiss. But from the EU reactions that I've seen, Cadrill's uh, co-stream, some, uh, some EU fans that I know, I won't name anyone specifically, at the time, very happy. Very happy that they drew energy. I think part of that is G2 last year at MSI beating EG six times in a row. 
But then at the World Championship, they did go one and one, and they went one and five in that group. They were in the JDG uh, D plus group. I think at the time they're called Damon. So it wasn't a good World Championship for them. G2 didn't necessarily have a good MSI showing because they lost to BLG in that, uh, I believe it was a loser bracket. But a lot of the U fans are thinking, easy, we'll take down NA. I do want to go through some of the NA versus EU history because I'd, I'd forgotten how close or not close it had been through MSI and Worlds. Overall, across all Worlds of the last 13 years, the world's record would be 35 and 42, a 45% win rate, which I think based on the emotion of it all, feels pretty high. It feels a lot higher than the reactions that I've seen would suggest. If you add worlds to MSI, it definitely goes down for North America. It's 41 and 57. The NA team who has the most EU games, C9, 22 games, 10 and 12 record, The best NA team versus EU teams with over five games played total is CLG. They're seven and two. Energy is not inheriting CLG stats, but they may have inherited their spirit. Just just throwing that out there. The worst NA team versus EU with more than five games played is EG at four and eight. Um, Weirdly enough, the EU team with the most NA games played is Fnatic, and they're 25 and eight. So Fnatic has actually been the champions of Europe. That's a better record than G2 has in, in that. And I, I have found the G2 versus NA stats. Overall, their MSI total is 11-4, and four, but their world's total is 4-4. Four and four. Last year, 1-1. One 2020, when they're in the group with TL, 1-1. One 2019 Worlds, 2-0. That was when they were in the group with C9 and they were just coming off their MSI victory. And then you can go to like the ancient history where CLG 2-0'd them in the 2016 Worlds group. That was Perks' rookie year. And uh, Zven, who we'll have on later, was actually in that group. So I might get his thoughts on that. So anyway, uh, before I talk specifically about the analysis of the matchup, let's talk a little bit the emotion of the matchup. And I've had this discussion already even though the draw happened less than 24 hours ago, with a lot of different NA fans. And I've gotten a lot of different feelings about whether it is good that energy drew G2 or if it's a disaster. And I think it really just depends on how much loss aversion you have. Because as you could hear by those stats, 41% all-time win rate for NA versus EU And even recently, right? Even recently in 2022, five and nine overall between MSI and Worlds. 2021, NA was actually four and three against EU across the whole year. 2020, two and three. Like that's three complete calendar years since the disaster that was 2019 when NA was one and eight. But three complete calendar years where if you just looked at Worlds games, NA would actually have a winning record against EU if you looked at Worlds and MSI, obviously the 0-6 is going to push it to a losing record. But it's not like this, oh my God, every time NA plays AU, they get completely slammed. Yet that is the feeling for sure. So the fear of if you don't want Energy to play G2, your logic would be, well, Energy probably isn't beating anyone anyway. 
So we may as well not lose to EU so EU can't gloat about it. And then also, if you don't trust G2's ability to beat Eastern teams, because their game against Weibo was incredibly close. They had a 99.4% win probability of losing that game before their comeback. And then their Baron throw against D+, would also be, you could consider it questionable. And again, these are, these are all hypotheticals. This is in my actual analysis at the moment. You would think, hey, if they don't get out for free against Energy, maybe they won't even make it to bracket stage. And that would be great, right? But here's my counter. If you don't think G2's that good or good enough to beat a higher tier Eastern team, why would you not want Energy to actually have a chance to beat them? Because if Energy doesn't play them, the opinion that G2 is better than NA will not go away. Even if C9 beats Fnatic, if NA can't take off like the head of the beast, G2, people are going to think they're better anyway. So the, the bright-siding version of this would think it's only upside for energy because G2 and EU fans think they're better anyway, regardless of if this game happens or not. Yes, it can be confirmed. And honestly, I am favoring G2 in this matchup. But this is, a, this is a good thing for energy. I think it is their best chance of making it to the bracket stage. But more importantly, since I think the goal of the world championship is a little bit, uh, a little bit lofty, the goal of knocking G2 down and moving to bracket stage over them, it's an opportunity to really shift the narrative. And you do not get this opportunity if energy, let's say, drew LNG, loses to them, draws C9 because C9 beats Fnatic and beats them to make it in, and then gets 3-0'd in bracket stage. But if they can take down G2 here, I think it actually has a, a real opportunity to shift the narrative for NA versus EU. And that's literally their goal. When I talked to Contracts last week, he said he really just wants the region that he plays in to be a region that he can feel proud of. And I think a lot of North American fans, even though it is so scary to believe in a series against G2 again after 2019 MSI finals when G2 had, at the time, the fastest international best of five, 3-0. I think it's worth another fight. I really do think it's worth trying to take them down in that best of three. But let's talk about the actual matchup between Energy and G2 and, and some of the things that Energy has actually had to do to, to get here. So Energy has definitely had the easier opponents. Their first opponent was Weibo, who they lost to, which knocked them down to the 0-1 game. They then were able to draw an interregional matchup. They beat Team Liquid. And then they drew a cross-regional matchup, but it's against the EU team that EU has abandoned, which I'll get to in a little bit, how I actually kind of hate the way people are reacting to Mad Lions, but they beat them in a very close game to move in 2-1. to one. So the wins are against TL and Mad, and that moves them to 2-1, and one, and the loss against Weibo. G2 played D-plus first, number four, Korean seed. Beat them in a... I think G2 actually played considerably better aside from the Baron throw. 
but I also think D plus had a bad meta read, which I'll get to. Then they beat Weibo in the greatest single game comeback of the world championship so far to move to 2-0. And then that moved them into a potential promotion matchup against Gen G in which they just got destroyed. But I also think Gen G and JDG are the two favorites going into the tournament. So not a huge surprise. So therefore, you know, this is actually the first Western team that G2 is playing against here. They beat two four seeds. They lost to the one seed and now they're playing against energy. So depending on how you, you know, the, the, Common opponent here is Weibo, and G2 definitely look better because they beat them. However, that Weibo game is so perplexing to me from G2's perspective because it was fairly even, and then G2 throws at Baron, then they give up the Mountain Soul, and then God knows how do they actually make that comeback. Shao who's on his ear... Uh, I forget exactly what the shy is playing, but I know win probability isn't a perfect statistic, but as a viewer, I really did feel that game was completely over mountain soul, Baron buff, and about a seven to 8,000 gold lead. However, G2's composition was the God composition in terms of your ability to turn a game around. How many world's highlights have we seen? with Oriana Rakan. And that's what G2 had. They had Caps on Oriana, they had Mickey on Rakan, and then the cherry on top was they actually had Rel Jungle as well. And let me tell you, in terms of mid laner pairings with Rel, whether it's Support Rel or Jungle Rel, Oriana is the best because the range of the Rel Alt Magnet effect is pretty much the same as the Oriana Alt, and the overall damage that you can pump out in that AoE can turn almost any game. I remember uh, back on TL in 2020, we'd have some, we even had like a, I think it was a finals weekends game against TSM or something where we came back from an 8,000 gold lead pretty much because we had Oriana Rel. Uh, so, so it's insane. The, the one small good thing in North America's favor is that energy is actually going to be blue side. And for those of you who are wondering how that's decided, the pools that were used for the original Swiss draw five days ago had energy and G2 both in pool one. So the way side selection is decided for later rounds is if a higher pool team is playing a lower pool team, the higher pool team will have side selection for game one. If teams from the same pool are drawn against each other, then the first team drawn will get side selection. So that means... Because energy was the first team drawn, and both energy and G2 were pool one, energy gets side select in game one. That's also going to be true for C9 and Fnatic, because C9 was the first team drawn. They're both two seeds from EU and NA. They're both pool two. So C9 will get side selection. Slight advantage. Uh, blue side, that's also another reason the blue side has such an insane win rate at the World Championship. I think normally it would be like 55 or 60%, but because it's oftentimes also the better team that is on blue, just with how the other draws have gone, the blue side win rate is like crazy inflated. I think it's up around 70% so far at this World Championship. Draft-wise, I think a lot of G2 fans are going to be concerned about what happened in the Gen G series, where Gen G was red side and there are three bands for Han Sama. And G2 in general was Callista, Oriana, Draven, two games in a row. But I also think at the time, 
G2 had a lower priority on Zaya. They weren't first picking it. So Genji not only was getting rid of Han Sama's lane dominant champions, and I think the strongest mid laner in the game right now, Oriana, uh, G2 was not rewarding themselves with the Zaya pick. So I think if G if energy ends up going over to red side after winning a game, because that's what G2 will need to be able to have side selection and pick blue side, I think that those three bands actually won't be easy things to replicate. And Energy is going to have to make some choices because I don't think you want to give Zaya over for free unless they're cooking some stuff. So uh, I look at some of the, like I'm trying to read in between the lines um, of the world's meta here with what some teams were doing in scrims. And I'll take D plus as an example. Their first two games that they lost, uh, they were trying to play outrange. So first game against G2, they played I believe it was Varus Jace, mid-bot. It was Poke Varus. And those things can actually get a pretty large lead against a Kaiser or a Zaya because of the range advantage. Uh, unfortunately for them, G2 got Ocean Soul in that game, and the poke was a disaster. And then the next game that D-plus Cade played was against KT, and they gave over Zaya again, and they tried to play Zigzbot. So twice they actually tried to outrange against Zaya, and twice it failed on stage. But you would only try that on stage if it was working somewhere. So I imagine they were finding some success with that in scrims. And it does logically make sense. That's why Ezreal is also a pick in Desire because the outrange can be very effective. Caitlyn would be another pick that can actually outrange in lane and maybe put Zaya down. So D plus is like the poster child for they didn't think Zaya was good because they were playing Varus against it. They were playing Ziggs against it and they have a high prior on Caitlyn. So if energy or G2 for that matter, want to try and cook some counters to Zaya, that I think is where you would see them. Gangplank in the top lane, as mentioned earlier, would be one of those. But I guess my overall thoughts on this matchup uh, would be cautious optimism for energy, not because I think they're favored, but because I think the upside of them winning is so high based on the perception of North America across the last five years, going back to the 2018 World Semifinal where Fnatic beat C9 3-0 to go to the world final in Korea. That was a massive moment in the power shift between North America and Europe. You follow that up with the 2019 MSI final after Team Liquid had beat IG. That literally didn't matter in the minds of NA and EU fans because it was immediately followed by G2 3-0-ing them. So because those two sweeps happened, until you actually counter that with a sweep of your own or a big win of your own, I don't think you were ever changing that perception. So even though I absolutely think energy are decent sized underdogs, if they can pull off a 2-0 or even a 2-1, I think it could be a really big moment for NA. And I actually think EU fans should be a little nervous because right now, even I'm agreeing with you, LEC is better. G2 is better. And that is at risk. And I hope that energy can take that energy. That was unintentional. Uh, final thing on energy is throughout the entire LCS summer split, they were actually better against teams that were better than them and worse against bad teams. So <laughs> advantage energy, I guess. I Yeah, there were six and two against the top four and three and seven against the bottom five. I feel like G2 would be a top four team. So that gives energy a decent chance. Okay, that was a lot on G2 Energy, but I think that's because uh, 
it is the most interesting thing. I'm going to run through a little bit faster on the rest of the matchups. So C9 versus Fnatic is actually going to be the first matchup we see in the second week of the Swiss stage. So to get here, C9 beat Mad. They lost to LNG and they lost to T1. And Fnatic lost to LNG. They beat Gam and they lost to BLG. So it's actually really hard to get a read on how good Fnatic is. Because I think if you just think back to like, oh yeah, all they did is beat Gam. Well, yeah, and they also lost to some really good teams. LNG, even though they are the third seed in the LPL, finished second in the LPL Summer Split. And then BLG, even though they lost to LNG in the LPL playoffs, was 15-1 and in the summer regular season and basically only lost to JDG for the last six months and then won best of five to LNG, which ended up knocking them down to third place in the summer. So just really, really hard to figure out how good Fnatic is. And I think that actually makes them dangerous because your confidence from a C9 perspective is going to be high after watching them get beasted by LNG and BLG. I think Humanoid is always a threat. I think Razork is strong. I think if C9 is looking to get an advantage, they've actually been able to generate gold leads through Fudge uh, as much as people want to you know, dunk on Fudge after the T1 game where he got pushed in permanently by Zeus's Rumble and everyone on C9 did poorly. But in the, in the Mad game and the uh, first LNG game, actually, Fudge had a pretty substantial goal lead and C9 was able to break, break top turret fairly early. So <clears throat> I think that might be something that they can just continue to run uh, against Fnatic and try and punish Oscar in a little bit early. But then C9 goes as Berserker goes, as Berserker and Sven go, because he's such a beast in teamfights. And Fnatic, at least, uh, has shown a decent amount of inconsistency in their bot lane. I mean, pretty easy to say the Fnatic has been inconsistent when they were like the ninth place team at the start of the year when they didn't even have their full roster for the season finals. Wonder was the top laner who actually qualified them for Worlds. And now Oscar is back in after his hand injury. So a a really hard to predict matchup, I feel like. I put this one very close to 50-50. Some quick analysis on C9 for what I feel like they've delivered so far in the Swiss stage. Their first game against Mad, I was quite encouraged by it at the time. They ran... Cassante mid for MS. They ran Talia jungle for Blabber. And they just had these massive windows to make plays. There were so many times where uh, Chasey from Mad Lions was on Gwen in the top lane. And they do these three man dives. And it felt like they had 10 seconds to make them work before anyone was able to cover. And they just had tempo advantages pretty much the entire game. They also had Berserker on Zaya in that game, which is a good sign for their meta read right at the start of the tournament. And even though he didn't do anything exceptional lane, he was just there for team fights and pretty much never in danger. So that game felt pretty good. The LNG game, they didn't really have much of an early game advantage, which is hard to do because LNG is a very slow team with quite strong laners. So and Scout is the LPL MVP. The big advantage that C9 had in that game 
was when there was a pause right after that, they found an initiation on a scout. Literally the only time scout had died at the world championship up until that point got barren and you felt like they were going to be able to win. But then their team fighting down the stretch was just too weak. There was a dive at mid tier two turret that they fumbled their chance at going two Oh was thwarted. But ultimately, like in the back of their heads, that doesn't matter. Because if you if, if you project forward, they would have then had to play JDG. I don't think they'd win in that series. And they would have been knocked down uh, a peg anyways. So, T1, that's the next game. That was by far the worst game they played. It is easy to blame draft there. And I don't think Belveth is it. I don't think Blabber will play it again. But... Belveth in conjunction with the lanes was the real struggle there because both MS and Fudge, whether it was a tactical decision to manage their waves and greed a little bit for some extra gold, uh, or if they were just straight up getting outlaned by Zeus and Faker, the lanes were not able to hold in the positions they needed to hold to protect the Belveth in the jungle. And owners Jarvan could just invade Blabber over and over again. And then after that happens, when you're playing Belveth, the game is going to fall apart. So I think the first eight minutes of the game is all you really need to look at. C9 got demolished in that T1 first eight minutes. But I also don't think they're going to play that style of composition again. So uh, TLDR, I want C9 to play more like they did in the mad game in terms of making proactive plays on the map and sacrificing their own lane income, which I don't feel like they were willing to do in the T1 series. I think that gives them the best chance to win. All right, next matchup on that day is going to be Weibo versus Mad. Uh, I, I do want to make a quick point on Mad and how I have seen what the EU community is doing and has been doing to Mad because that's what happened to NA teams in the past. Maybe even TSM when they were 0-6. The first sign of doing something that the fans don't like is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because you don't realize how chronically online all of these players are and how bad it feels when your own region is essentially disowning you and flaming you and, you know, the Baufs is saying he's not co-streaming because he'd have to watch cringe games like Mad Lions. When literally, guys, Mad Lions was better than North America at 2021 MSI. They made it to the bracket stage. They were the only European team to advance at the 2021 World Championship. They are consistently, across years, a top European team. If you just isolated to the last three years, El Yoya would probably be the best jungler in the entire region. Yet, no support, in my opinion. And I get it. They lose to North America. That sucks. They don't want to lose to North America. But I just think it's unfair to the accomplishments that MAD has had and that that team has done that the fans are treating them that way. They also play against Weibo, who I think is... Hugely underrated. I think Xiaohu is absolutely cracked. It's his seventh world championship. He is a three-time MSI champion. Uh, and I think he may have a field day against Niski. I don't think Niski is going to be able to move that much in that game. So I, I heavily favor Weibo, and I think that may be Mad's final series at the world championship. Uh, D+, plus, uh, I think, gets a bit of a break from their hard draws earlier. They get to play against Gam. Gam is definitely not someone you can walk over, as Team Liquid proved by losing to them 2-1. But uh, 
DK is the most interesting team to me from a meta perspective because they're the team that tried to outrange Zaya twice. They also are the team that has Def's Caitlyn. I'd say Canyon still hasn't looked amazing. The team still hasn't necessarily looked like they can pull it together, but the chance that they can make some level of miracle run is high. I don't think it's that much of a miracle. They beat Gam, they're two and two, and then it's all about the draw in that two-two match to try and make it through the next round. Another matchup that Korea and China probably aren't thrilled with is going to be the KTLNG and the BLG T1 games because honestly, you think they could have gotten G2 Energy. They did not. Uh, or C9 Fnatic. They did not because EUNA both, I think, lucked out with those matchups. KT, they've played BLG, D+, Weibo, and now LNG. I think cumulatively, that is the hardest draw of any team at Worlds. Uh, They truly do feel a little bit cursed. They were so good in the LCK regular season, and they are still so good now. I think about the game they had against Weibo where they pulled to like a 7,000 gold lead at 20 minutes before soft throwing and making that game go about 38 minutes, but just their ability to actually run over a team of the quality of Weibo that much in the early game is something that very few teams in the world could do. So even though uh, LNG has the LPL MVP and Scout, they are a bit of a slower team, and I personally will favor KT a bit in this game. I think we are still stuck a bit in an 80 carry meta. I think aiming is having a career year. I think he might end up being the difference maker. But the biggest difference between these teams, I think, is the pace that KT is seemingly able to play with on this stage. I don't know how the pressure should be so incredibly high with all the getting excited about KT curses, with the fact that they couldn't beat T1 despite picking them in playoffs, that they were 0-3 in series against T1 the entire year. But based on their quality of opponent and their ability to still be 2-1 at this stage, I think they're going to beat LNG and I think they're going to advance into the bracket stage. Final matchup to cover is the BLG versus T1. I think it's a very unlucky draw for both of them. BLG so far has played KT. They lost to JDG. They beat Fnatic, now T1. T1 beat Team Liquid, lost to Gen.G, beat Cloud9, and now is facing BLG. A timeline, which I think is funny, but I don't necessarily want to happen, would be the timeline where TL where T1 advances by only defeating North American teams, which is still a possibility because... I think BLG will 2-0 this game. I said during the last podcast that I think if JDG didn't exist, BLG would be the best team in the world because JDG is pretty much the only ones who have been able to consistently beat them. Eight matches this year, BLG is 0-8. and eight. That is somewhat true for everyone. No one has beaten JDG this year. That's why they're on the Golden Road and they're one of the teams that's already qualified for the bracket stage. But... To elaborate a little bit on why I don't necessarily trust T1 at the moment, I would say the faker factor is absolutely real. He does so much for this team in their ability to coordinate and taking advantage of Zeus's or owner's ability or Gumiyushi and Karia's ability to win lane and roam. But faker himself uh, didn't get an advantage on APA in lane whatsoever. I think even in the C9 game, MS was considerably up in farm against Faker. Now, part of that was because MS was over prioritizing his own gold and not covering for Blabber when he needed to. But Faker's the greatest of all time. 
I really do want to see T1 succeed. If you were to look at the totality of their accomplishments across the last two years, it is possibly the best in the world. They had a fifth game that could have won the world championship. They had a fifth game that could have won MSI, like literally last year. And then they made deep runs in the Worlds and MSI before that, and even made the World Semifinal going all the way back to 2021, when the only difference in that team was no Zeus, but instead Kana. So like the, the continuity in that roster is high, the experience in that roster is high, but I think BLG is just a little bit on another level in terms of their team fighting. The Elk and his ability to not actually get a lead from laning phase, but then still outperform the other 80 carry in team fights. He, I can't say this because Ruler exists, but Ruler's also better in lane and gets more support in lane, but Elk is up there with the best team fighting 80 carries in the world. He might be the best. Can't make that comparison because Ruler exists, but as I said, slightly different. And then Bin uh, and BLG's ability to play through topside with Higao roaming so much. It's just a really aggressive, hard team to deal with. And I don't know if T1's going to be able to keep up with that pace. So that's it for, for this section of JLXP. The first week of Swiss stage was amazing. I hope the second week of Swiss stage is amazing. The, you know, there is an expiration date on this episode though. If, uh, if NA loses the Fnatic versus C9 series and also gets obliterated G2 versus Energy, I'm not going to feel great, honestly. But uh, even if that happens, I'll be back next week for a podcast as well. So that'll do it for my portion of JLXP. And stay tuned because we're going to be chatting with Sven. All right, we're back with Sven. Sven, so, thank you for taking the time. You have you have two days in, in between the draw and your game against Fnatic. Yep. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, always got the time for a little Jad podcast. Yeah, 93rd episode. I uh, I was counting them up today. Uh, I wanted to ask you about how Swiss has gone for you so far. Uh, it could be better. could be worse. could be better. could be worse. Okay, what, what, could, be, what could be worse? We'll start with that, and then we'll get positive. I mean, we could have drawn not Mad Lions. That could have been worse. Okay, yeah. But besides that, I don't think it could get much worse. Okay. I think LNG second round and T1 third round is pretty unlucky mm. compared to some other teams. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, NRG loses their first round to Weibo, which is the fourth seed. Yeah. Um, but then they get like the dream they draw, draw afterwards. Team Liquid. Yeah. I think they beat previously. And then they draw Mad now. No, wait. What was it? They drew... They drew Mad they drew, and they, Mad, they, they, then yeah, they, they drew G2. They drew Mad and then G2. Yeah. So, comparatively, could have been better. But at the same time, you know, you got to beat those teams at some point anyways. Yeah, I always had the opinion that if you make it out of the group stage or the Swiss stage in this case, yeah. and you get three zero in quarters by the LPL's third or fourth seed, yeah. then what does it really matter? Yeah, I mean, so you've you know. you've had a lot of experience at Worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty fifteen, you were say. with Origin when you were Niels. The good old times, yeah, the glory days. Yeah, sem- semifinals, right? Yeah, but then three zero. Twenty sixteen Worlds. <laughs> okay, that, that was the World Champs, though. That's, okay, that, fair. That, that, that's yeah, different. Yeah. If you lose to the World Champs, that's fine. Oh, okay. But like, if you lose to like <laughs> some, you know, eventual sixth place or like third, fourth seed, it's like, eh. yeah. What was the? I never asked you this. What What do you feel like the difference was in 2015? Like, because that was a deep run. I mean, for me personally, of like the Western teams versus Eastern teams. Sure. Yeah. Like, why Why was Fnatic and Origin able to make it to semifinals in 2015? I have no clue. Yeah. 
I mean, honest, I honestly don't know. I don't think it was luck, but for me personally, I was very different, like the mindset I had, mm-hmm. the way I was playing and the way we were playing as a team. I definitely didn't care about who my opponents were. Yeah. I didn't even know who they were. Like, I didn't know that LGD was like supposed to be good and like a world's contender and yeah. that KT were LCK champs. And stuff. I didn't even know who like, their players were. I mean, I that just, sounds like a difference to me. It's yeah. Just like I just turned up the stage and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to hope for the best and, you know, play my, my best. I had this like, what was it that we said? We always said, uh, we expect nothing, but hope for the best. That was our mindset in Origin. We didn't like have these like goals and expectations where if you didn't meet them, you mm-hmm. would be really mad about it. Mm-hmm. But nowadays there's like a lot more pressure on you. Yeah. And social media has changed a lot. Yeah. The tone it's of true. social media has changed a lot and yep. people read it more than they should, mm-hmm. me included. Me and too. it kind of affects you. Yeah. So I think that gets to a lot of people's heads. Is there and- anyone on that you know of on like at this point energy or c9 that is able to turn off from social media or like is has that kind of like oh i don't even know who i'm playing against i don't even know who's good or is, is everyone knows no i don't think i think everyone knows there's too much you know talk about who's the goat and like who's the best teams and mm. how bad is an you and like look at mad bro yeah they, actually. they lose like one or two games and their whole region is always turning on them yeah i check niski's tweets i don't read french but you check some tweets and it's just Everyone just hates Mad. Yeah, but like they're winning your region, bro. They're, they're they won the was it second split they won. So yeah, Spring split. I, I guess it's called. I feel like if you look at the last two years in Europe, they're like arguably the best yeah. because they've won multiple splits. They <laughs> yeah. advanced to MSI semifinals in 2021. They were the only European to make it out of Worlds groups in 2021. Yeah, they won the split to make it to MSI, and then like yeah, sure they lost to G2, but yeah. That happened. They still made it there. Yeah. To the tournament. So like you should not be blaming them for mm-hmm. winning a region and then ensure they, they play them, worse, maybe. It makes them play worse, surely. Yeah. What I don't think it helps them. Yeah. But I felt like back in the day in Origin and stuff, the teams were behind the region. Yeah. Or the, the, the fans were the behind the regions. Mm-hmm. And it felt like no matter what happened, they were cheering for you. We don't lose. But nowadays if you lose, they're just like, ha, you suck, you're so bad. <laughs> what People about for your downfall. Um, what about and I know this is going way back. Uh, 2016 when you were on G2. Yeah, that was a different vibe. <laughs> and CLGB2 twice. Yeah, that was not so good. Yeah, and you went like one and five in that group. So that was, I think, Perks's like rookie year yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, Were was Did you feel like the region was behind you then or is the region only no. behind you if you're winning? No, that was different. But I think there, there was reason for it though, a little yeah. bit because we left Origin, which was a very light team, to join the rival. Yeah. Um, also, there was the oh, whole. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. There's the whole G2 there, villain arc, the G2 vacation. Yeah, memes. and then on top of that, G2 was talking shit about everyone. Yeah, I mean, we were. We were like embracing the villain meme a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did this like pot. I mean, this content with like the the guns and the money and shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, there's there's yeah, a actually, few compounding factors. Yeah, and then uh, we obviously won again, which people didn't like because no one likes to see the bad guys win. Yeah. And then after we we won, we wasted our first seed on yeah. losing to NA. After we said it was <laughs> it was a free win. Yeah. So we were like, oh, we got a wild card and NA. It's free win. Oh, no. And then yeah. it was not free win. Yeah. Uh, From an NA good... perspective, that was the saddest because G2 beat EU twice, but then lost to ANX twice and didn't make it out. Yeah, I mean, CLG. What the hell, man? Yeah, it was that was a year. I always hate that in 16, we weren't very good at Worlds. Okay. But then we had a really good draw. And then the 17, in, you were good. The next year, draw. we were actually really good. We yeah. had a whole year together to improve in 17. And we had like so many tournaments like IEM, Rift Rivals, mm-hmm. MSI, 17. And we actually improved so much. And then we got like the world champions, the eventual world champions, Samsung. And we got 
RNG. Yeah. <laughs> RNG, who was the third, fourth place that year. Yeah. So you but couldn't then have you did have a 1907 Fenerbahce yes. Super Esports Club. But in that old format, it's like... It, it didn't matter. You needed to beat the top it, two. It's like exactly. There was always almost always one team in a group that was quote-unquote free win. Yeah. Or an easy team, wild card or or worse. So yeah. I always think about like how annoying that was. Yeah. Because we were actually kind of bad in 16. We only had mm. six months, not mm-hmm. even, like mm-hmm. three, four months to yeah. play as a team. And it was rough because of the situation. Yeah. But then the year after, we were actually really good. And then we just got that draw. Yeah. And then then you came to NA and became a, an, NA, an NA GOAT. Oh, damn. The <laughs> Rough two years after that. So, I mean, you've experienced it, a, a lot of the, the different world formats then. You experienced... The groups when we didn't have four Korean and Chinese teams, yeah, could actually yeah, get yeah. A, like a good group rather mm-hmm. than just like a death group every time. But now you're experiencing Swiss. So, mm-hmm. what do you think about Swiss so far? Initially, I thought it was great. I still think it's better because everything is better than the old format. Okay, um, that's the first thing. Yeah, but and every game next week will matter. Like yes. you won't have those dead days where it's, it's yeah, it's it's cool that all games matter. That's a, yeah. the best thing about it. And then best of threes is included mm-hmm. in the in the format, which is good. And then I really like that. A lot more exciting games happen mm-hmm. because of the nature of the one zero teams playing each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. You'll see a lot more mm-hmm. different matchups from mm-hmm. everyone, mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to before you saw three unique games yeah. per group. Yeah. Now you see a lot more unique games. That's cool, but there's still a lot of RNG involved. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, look who look who KT's had to play so far. Yeah, like, like looking at KT for example. BOG D plus and then <laughs> Weibo. They're they're two and one. Bro, but, that one and is zero too. LNG. That yeah. one was zero too. Now they're one yeah. two. Right? They have a long like way to go. Whereas someone like Energy, for example, yeah, they draw Weibo, get stomped in five minutes. Yeah. Then after they lose, they draw Teal, yeah, a team in their own region who's worse than them. Then after they beat Teal, they draw Mad Lions. Yeah. Mad Lions drew. Who did Mad Lions drew after they won? A team in their own yeah, region. Yeah. So well. Mad Lions had you, and yeah. then they drew BDS. Yeah. And which then beat BDS. Them up, and, beat and then Mad yeah. Lions and Energy play, and Energy after beating Mad draws G two. Yeah. Now G two is pretty good. But still, you know, it's um, there's a lot of RNG involved, so you can get the quarters on that. But still, like I said earlier, like if you make it the quarters and you lose three yeah. zero to anyone, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but there is that. Yeah. G two versus energy. I want to get your opinion on this because you're on social media. Is oh, yeah. it good for energy to draw G two, or would it have been better for them to draw any other team? I mean, who else could they have drawn, really? They could draw drawn Genji, unwinnable. Uh, no, Genji, 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 you're through. Oh, yeah, they're, they're so, 2-0. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so right. it's... They're, they're um, made already, yeah. You're right. Yeah, there's... Who's 2-1? There's T1. T1. BLG. Unwinnable. KT. Unwinnable. And LNG. Unwinnable. But G2. Less unwinnable. Less unwinnable, right? See, that's my opinion, too. We'll take those. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the question, because a lot of people think that if G2 doesn't get energy... Well, not a lot of people. Some people that I've talked to, I'm not going to name names, think that if G2 didn't get energy, they wouldn't. There's a chance they don't even make it to quarters. G2 or yeah, yeah, yeah. I so agree. like G2 is the only way they can make it through, or that's what they'd hope for. Yeah, I, I agree. or is the humiliation of losing to G2 worse than the potential upside of beating them? That depends if you're on Team West or Team NASEU. Oh, for the West, this okay. Is no good. one's on Team West at this point. 
Yeah, that's true. Right. No one's from Team West. Fuck the West. Yeah, like I think that for the West was like a 2013 thing. The West is like once your whole region is out, you're cheap for the other one. Yeah, but, but then, not really. Actually. Then that team like doesn't you, let you, you hold the loose. bus. They just like you're like okay, you can have like a different car and follow the bus. So once all the NA teams are out, you cheer for EU to lose. You're like, hey, no, bring on, bring on the downfall. I actually feel like at this point, like since since G2 did that thing to TL in 2019, the that fastest the fastest 3-0 in international history. Yeah. Um, I think since that point, you not were off only team West. I think the NA fans want to see EU fail. <laughs> I mean, do you think? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're originally from europe do you want to see europe fail no not really but i have like friends in most teams yeah i talk to yeah you know like i'm friends with broken blade or mickey x even mm-hmm. caps from from yeah. d2 so I don't, I don't want to see them fail yeah yeah but i also like i kind of admit i don't want to see them win either like i don't mind if they make quarters or something but if they make world's finals while i'm like stuck in well that, in, in that could Swiss, be like a competitor thing too like you probably yeah. don't even want to see energy do well it's kind of like when you switch teams yeah you know let's say like I'm sure Vulcan, for example, when he left C9, wasn't hoping we would lose. Mm. But he wasn't hoping we would win either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to be the reason your team wasn't yeah, any yeah. further. He, yeah. Or like when I left TSM, I was salty as hell, bro. Yeah. I was hoping like, I hope they burnt the ground. Now, yeah. now they have. But just haven't well, they're not in the league but, anymore, so. But like, I was hoping they'd lose. But I was fine if, with them being second or third. As long as I was first. As long as you're ahead. Yeah. 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 Because I still had friends in that team that I liked. Yeah. So it's like, it goes both ways, but we're talking about something else. Probably got off, off topic. Yeah, no, it's fine. The West thing, yeah. I think it's a good draw for both Energy and G2. It's like, you I can agree. both be happy. I agree. And when we drew... Um, I think there's a lot of NA fans that aren't happy because they have too much PTSD from losing oh, and they just oh, don't yeah. want it to happen again. But, I think, but I'm on the side that there's nothing to lose because the only, even, <laughs> even if Energy drew one of the Eastern teams and lost... People would still, like, they're always just going to think G2 is better than, like, even if G2 loses, yes. they're still going to say that EU is better than NA. So yeah. the only way you can flip the narrative is to directly take on G2. Yeah, I think it's fair to assume that G2 is currently the top dog in the Western. Absolutely. And um, I think they are. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's much to say about that. So until they play someone and then lo- they lose, that won't be taken away from them. Yeah. There is definitely upside for NA. But just, yeah. you're, you've played in EU, you've played in NA, you have pro player friends on both sides. I think you can actually be pretty unbiased. Give me a 70-30, 60-40. How much is G2 favored against Energy, in your opinion? I'd say like 65-35. But I think, I think that G2, while they won against Dom 1, and they won against Weibo, mm-hmm. the Weibo game was a steal. Yep. The game against Dom 1 wasn't a steal until they threw a Baron. Yep. It was but, a free win. But until then also, it was, yeah, they were winning pretty substantially. But then yeah. the extra unlucky thing for D plus would be they had the Varus poke comp and then G2 got Ocean Soul. Yeah. But if your opponent gets Soul, it's your fault no matter which Soul they get. True. So you can't blame it on that. So yeah, I think I like they, that. they like deserve that. that. But with that said, Damon also ran into G2's comp really hard. Mm. I think, not, not going to leak anything here, but G2 did show against Genji that. They are a different team when they have bot prior. Yep. And absolutely hard prior. Yeah, you're champs, not leaking anything. Everyone yeah. saw that. Champs like Draven, champs like Callista, yeah. are G2's signature picks for a long time. Yeah. And if you're going on stage and you're picking Lucian Nautilus, Maokaitalia. Yeah. Because someone banned your champs, that's a good sign that this team has weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Energy has watched games. Yeah. <laughs> I think they have. I think Energy's drafts were generally pretty good in NA. Uh, yeah, I I don't disagree. I think that after they lost to us in the first round, mm-hmm. 
they changed their draft a lot. Top yeah. end picked up champs like Rumble and stuff, which yeah, helped Jacks. them. Yeah, helped them clean up their, their drafts. So since then, I think they've been okay. Yeah, I agree. But I think that G two is really good when they're on their game, but when they're off their best champs, they look yeah. a lot worse, and they kind of rely on that. So I think NG has hope. Okay. Um, uh, first time I met you was like way back in uh, I think it was like 2016 MSI or something. I didn't go there, so 20, that can't be. No, no, no. 2017 MSI. Really? Was it? You were not on 15 Worlds? No, it was 15 Worlds. Worlds. I talked to you I talked to you when you were OG Niels. The good old yeah. days. But basically, you played a game, and I asked you, uh, like, you know, how'd that game go? And you literally recited, like, the whole game for me. You're just like, yeah, you know, first wave, uh, <laughs> this didn't go well, and then, I, you know, I got to this item power. And you talked for, like, 10 minutes. So I just, I always felt like your recall has been really impressive. And I wanted to ask you, about think, the T1 game. I think it's, it's a pro player thing. You yeah. remember every game you ever played in detail. But do you remember the T1 game? The one that I got just, stomped in two days ago? Now. Yeah. yeah, I remember that one. What happened? What, like what, what, or even like what, what were the takeaways? Um, the takeaways from our review was, was short. Um, first, talk draft. Yep. We asked about like, who was supposed to have prior because you need mm-hmm. to have some lanes with prior or you can't Especially play when you have Belveth, yep. Yeah. And then you last pick a jungler like Belveth, the plan to invade, but we don't really have the information or the game yeah. to invade. We talked about jungle pathing a little bit, how we shouldn't have used time in the early game to, to gank because it was there was a ward and we knew it was a ward. Sure. That was one thing. And then we talked about how we went for a chicken invade mm-hmm. once, but it was mm-hmm. under ball and space timer, which we knew about. Mm. And we went there, couldn't get the chickens, had to go back, so we wasted more time. Mm-hmm. T1's biggest thing is that when they see your jungler somewhere doing something like ganking or looking for plays, yeah. they will use that time that their jungler now has to do something. Yeah. And they did in this game. We had a presentation about it from Duffman, our analyst. Yeah. And he said that if they see you ganking somewhere, he will do his full clear and then he'll go to your next camps, mm. which he did. Mm-hmm. Went to our chickens, went to our, our crux, and yeah. their, their top banner came to the crux and it yeah. was a disaster, right? Yeah. We ended up getting pushed out, losing our camp, and then top got dove. Mm-hmm. This is already like a massive disaster in exactly. the game, right? Yeah. So I decided that I'm going to just, at the Herald timing, I'm going to run top. And yeah. I had like, I was at the Herald for like almost a minute. Yeah. From like 7.30, I mean 7.45-ish to 8 something mm-hmm. until the top tier three. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I don't do something here, we will lose. Right. Because the way I was hearing it in game and comms was, we're giving Herald. Mm-hmm. So I was saying, I'm moving first. And mm-hmm. bar was still bottom when I was actually at the Herald. Yeah, exactly. But we couldn't do it. We felt like we were afraid of getting 3 v 4 and I was thinking, oh yeah, I lost his flash on yeah. the rumble move. So at this point, it's like we're looking at giving dragon, giving herald. We're already down at least in the game. I thought like a thousand something gold. Yep. And now we're looking at a two, three thousand gold lead in yep. the next couple of minutes, and it won't get better because once Bar gets six, he's gonna run mid result. If it hits, you're dead. Yep. And you're playing Orana without boots at this point, probably. So like I'm looking at a game where they control everywhere. Yeah, they will probably get at least two dragons for free because of the gold lead, and we will have to choose: is the last stand third dragon or fourth? Mm-hmm. And if it's a bad soul, do we automatically lose? Yeah. Do we outscale? Yes, we do outscale, mm-hmm. but they still have like Silas. It's a tight. It's close. Silas, right? Silas, not exactly bad late game either, yeah. right? So yes, we do outscale if you get six items magically. But can we get there? It's like this: you have this like thing in your head where you're like combining all the games you played in your whole life, mm-hmm. and you're like. Can we make it to this point where we have the items we need to win yeah. reliably against this team, given our team, 
blah, blah, blah. And you're basically thinking no, so it's, it's eight minutes. It's like a math equation, and I'm like, yeah. I'm going here. Yeah. And if Kang went through to topside with me being there first and Bart coming from base, and he was coming, but I didn't know where he was. Yeah. It's just like, you have to choose when do you lose. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, I think in hindsight, we shouldn't have fought top. Sure. Obviously, got triple killed, so it was bad. But even if we did nothing there, and we just, okay, we give, we yeah. do four plays later, we don't have many guaranteed plays in our game. Yeah, I agree. Our whole comp relies on Belviff invading Jarvan in early game. That was the point of our comp. And then, you know, if we get the top matchup ahead, just one one good play on Rumble, Jax mm. wins forever. Mm. And then we can die Rumble on side lane. Jax will beat both Rumble and Silas because they're single type of damage, right? Yeah. He can buy like Double Mercs, and, Mercs, Mercs and like Maul or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Just sit on an extra Nomadic or something. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And then our combo outskills. But then instead, we are losing our camps early game when we had last pick jungle. We're mm -hmm. getting pushed in, in lanes. We shouldn't be like bot, for example. We got two support bands, four, five. And then think about the bar pick. It was actually a good pick, I think. Yeah. Pretty smart to push it early. And, uh, you know, we're looking at this kind of game where it's hard to play because this. when Bard's team is winning, Bard's everywhere. He yeah. has Moby Boots in his passive. Old on Oriana, dead. Mm -hmm. Tower dives silent. Yeah. yeah. Jarvan and Bard it's, both just, just and Oriana has no they'll be everywhere. dead every time. They'll be everywhere, yeah. yeah. Our combo lies on us finding their jungler and us invading their jungler. And then me and Belvet being strong in 2v2s and Bard and, and Jarvan. Yeah. So we just made a decision to just fight there and lose in peace, I guess. See, if, you see if, what I mean? You remember the whole game. Yeah, yeah. I remember like bits and pieces when you It, when it you was two days ago, so. Yeah, I know, but it's. And, but yeah, I still remember like the old lane swaps, like, oh, in this one game, we didn't freeze the wave at once, so we lost the whole game. Of it, yeah, you know, exactly. like the good old lane swaps. Yeah, and with no, this is one of the weird things about League of Legends, I feel like, with no practice tool to like set up Baron situations or something. Yeah. It's like that seven years of experience or eight years of experience actually ends up being really valuable because that's one of the only, like, you, you need thousands and thousands of games to get. Yeah. Almost the correct number of reps in to get the right yeah. equation in your head for when you need to make. I don't even know how many gifts I have in my career. Well, on stage you're probably around like seven or eight hundred. Yeah, but then like if you did total games, you're probably at like twenty or thirty k. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I have no idea because you probably play like two thousand games a year at least. Yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned that the bard was a little bit unexpected. Do you feel like it was that big of an impact in the game? Like from a fan perspective, the big play was you know. Bard alting the bot tier to it as T1 like cleaned up C9. But yeah. how did you feel like the, the Bard played out in that game? I actually didn't see the the bot play until mm -hmm. after. I mm -hmm. didn't notice in the game what he did. Mm -hmm. It was pretty sick, I'm not going to lie. But as for the, the Bard impact on the game, I think it didn't matter. Mm. Because we lost the game before Bard even played the game. Yeah. Like we lost the game on the top fight. Top side. Sure, Bard was there. Yeah. He made it there in the end. But that play was bad no matter which character he was playing. Mm -hmm. um, I remember in draft, once they didn't pick support, so we banned two supports in 4-5, mm -hmm. and they banned Rel. Yeah. We thought they would pick Rel. And then they didn't, and we're like, oh, so he's probably playing either Leona or like Bard. I yeah. Guess, at this point. Because Bard is not a bad pick in this yep. patch. It's just a very niche pick. Yep. But then this game, we already lost before we got to the point where Bard can do Bard things. Yeah. Bard's like, either you run around the whole early game trying to be funny, or you wait until six and you just ult on either, you know, Oriana, Victor's, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you chain out the guy without flash. Yeah. Or you try to dive sidelines. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even get to that point yet because the bot dive happened when we were already down like, I don't know, three, four thousand gold. And the game yep. was already mega over, right? So we yep. didn't think much about it. But I watched the, the Bard play later when we were watching the... We were doing our review of the game. Yeah. I was like, 
whoa, this guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> is there any additional feeling playing against like T1 or specifically like T1 in Korea before the game? T1 in Korea, yeah. They have a, they're by far the biggest fan base. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel it in the stadium when you're playing T1. Like the vibe is different. It's like the world is against you. The support. Yeah. yeah. But against Faker specifically, no, not anymore. But mm-hmm. they used to be. Mm-hmm. He used to have this like presence in the game. Like, oh, that's Faker. Right. Uh, he doesn't have that anymore. Who has the most presence on T1? Um, I guess Kyria or Faker. Because of status, but like, right, like these days, I don't think anyone has that feeling. Yeah, anymore. no one has that. Yeah, like, no one is like that much better than their opponents anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Faker is just like a thing we tell ourselves, right? Like he's the yeah. goat, which he is, right? Yeah, and he's a big deal. My record against Faker is like one in thirteen or something. Sure, but that doesn't <laughs> matter to me in the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the T one thing is real, and in Korea, it's even worse because they are the biggest team, and you can tell when. Anything happens, go for them. Whoa! Right. You get a kill? <laughs> just total crickets. <laughs> exactly. You like, know? Are we that, even doing good? That, that's just how it is, right? Yeah. It was the same in NA when NA was getting clapped by, by Korea. No one, no one cared. Mm. Actually, that's not true because everyone came from, from Korea to cheer for T1. So it was actually not the same, but... <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, not awesome, but it's uh, <laughs> good context. And just the difference of every time you play an LCS game, you make a good play, you hear noise. Yeah. But... It's probably a little bit strange. Like you make a good play, yeah. and there's nothing. Yeah, at the national events, there's uh, less cheering for the game and more cheering for the teams. Mm. While in LCS, no matter who you are, who you're playing against, there's fans on both sides. Yeah, it's sort of the same in LSC or LCK. Yeah, yeah. But like when it's Worlds or MSI, it's not about the game anymore. Unless it's like you know, Mad versus Energy was a complete fist fight. Yeah, and I think the crowd was loving it both yeah. sides because they didn't care about the outcome. But when it's like Korea versus NA or Korea versus EU or China versus Korea, mm-hmm. then it's like, it's all about the teams, not about the, the game. Yeah. Uh, one small thing, and I know it's hard because the, the game happened. Because <laughs> Team Liquid played T1 close, did that give you guys any extra confidence that maybe could have had an impact on the game in some way? Maybe a little because T1 showed weakness. But at the same time, I also know after screaming thousands of games that some games you lose in five minutes. It mm-hmm. happens. And, and some games, yeah. you don't. Exactly. Now, I think TL played better, yeah. obviously, than we did. But mm-hmm. it's like, how do I explain that, like, you scream a lot of games. We screamed BLG yesterday. Yeah. Losing in five minutes is not necessarily worse than losing in 25 minutes. It's not, yeah. Yeah. Because it depends on the comps and the situation yeah. what happened. Like, a lot of teams would have won the same way T1 did. Mm-hmm. You know, TL might have won that game in five minutes as well. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Yesterday, we screamed BLG. We won two games. Out of like the six we scrimmed yeah, nice. in like two, two out of six, that's pretty good. In like six minutes, they yeah. said GG. Oh, sure, sure. One and time, let's go next scrim. First time they say AG, which means again, like remake. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, okay, sure, we go again. Same, same exact draft, win again in six minutes. And like, okay, fuck this, <laughs> we're out. New, new draft, right? That it happens. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, we just got stomped. It mm-hmm. just happens. It just, it's unfortunate it ha- it had to happen on stage in yeah. front of everyone in Korea, right? But it doesn't. You can't let it get to you. Yeah. Uh, Do you yeah. have any, um, now that they're eliminated, any thoughts on TL's year? <sighs> disaster. Yeah. Just disaster. Uh, I don't know what to say. They I mean, did go from eighth. Um, they, did, they were eighth in spring. Yes. That, that's good. Then they made it to world. So the improvement was good. Yes. I will say it just felt like they band-aided a lot. Yeah. They're like, all right, slap AP in there. Sure. Now he can. American guy. Fight. 
yeah. can't speak Korean and a team that speaks Korean, but a coach who speaks Korean. Uh, yeah, that's gonna work. Yeah, you know, like they did kind of abandon their whole. We're yeah, gonna speak Korean, and then it felt like they never fixed their identity problem, mm-hmm. like Summit playing tanks at Worlds, for example. Sure, Cause looking okay. terrible on it. Yeah, every single game seems like he was unhappy with it, mm. and then like they had this like distinct draft problems, for example, against Energy. They picked Kalista one two, which is a very a high priority pick in this tournament. Yeah, it's banned a lot on blue side because it's good on red side one two. But then they don't pick Renata. The entire reason the champion is good on one two. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is this a Kojiji problem, or is it a mid jungle problem that they can't play champions if they go four five with a jungler or does a mid laner? Mm. I think they thought they couldn't go four five because Energy picked Sedona and Jax. Yeah, Spiosik actually said, and I, I saw some like text yeah. post. That like, a, oh yeah, we couldn't let mid go four five, which yeah. is like event interview. It looked like yeah, I, I saw Blatter was watching. They definitely last night. thought that whether or not it's gonna. Yeah, Blatter was watching the interview last night, and it seemed like yeah. a bit of a cope session. Yeah, I don't blame him, but it's like you pick this champ because it's really good with Renata. Mm-hmm. Your opponents pick two champions, Joanne and Jax, that are really bad with Renata, but you don't pick Renata. Yeah. Then your opponents ban it, and you're like, whoa, you know, no way. And it's like these things happen to TL all the mm-hmm. time. I remember in 2021, Teal was the team that wanted to play Rail against Yumi, against someone, I don't remember. Mm, mm. And then they were like, yeah, we messed up one wave at level one, so we couldn't do the thing we practiced. Yeah. So I'm like, I asked Tactical about it. So your whole strategy relies on not make, making a single mistake level one, level two. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do, you do the game automatically. Yeah. yeah. So you wonder if that's like a TL thing or a Code mm, J thing mm. that you just don't want to play Yumi, you don't want to play against it. You want to play against it, but anyone else wants to ban it. And now you don't play Renata. Is this a mid-jungle problem or is this a ball problem? Yeah. I also think Jan had a rough tournament. Yeah, I think I so think too. he played a lot worse than he is, mm-hmm. even given the whole, like, you're a rookie at Worlds, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah thing. Mm-hmm. It's not enough excuse, I think. APA, I think he played okay. Mm. I don't know. I can't even imagine the situation he's in where his whole team speaks a different language than he does. Yeah. Both in the game. And even out of the game. out of the game probably too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've seen Biosic around. He was in our facility as well. Sandbox facility when we were boot camping. He doesn't speak a word of English from what I can gather. So you have like two people that speak your language in your team. Not counting like management. Yeah. I don't think it's easy to be in that kind of environment all day long. So I think Teal was always like an inevitable... Like, it was always going to be yeah, a really hard journey for like, them. It was yeah. like a, a band-aid, yeah, get I the worlds, the, and then hope for the best. Yeah, the hope the hope for the best was like maybe they find some like really... Off, I, I thought maybe they'd find some like off-meta answers from APA because yeah. w- weirdly enough, like his trusted champion pool, I think, was too small based on the way they were drafting. Yes. But he plays a lot of different, like weird stuff. Mm-hmm. He was drawing multiple bands each game, but then ultimately like... The Cinder into Oriana never looked good. His Oriana itself never looked good. So when, it come, when it comes to drawing bands, there's always been the the two opinions. Drawing bands. Is this guy too good on Twin Champions? Mm-hmm. We call this a peanut effect. Mm. Like peanuts getting talked about in every game. Right. If you're watching Ninja games. Or is he too bad on all the champs? I think people are doing it because a lot they of, think he's bad on the other champs. Yeah. A lot of people think APA, if he isn't playing six, is a worse player. Mm-hmm. So they think, okay, we're just going to ban six. We're going to ban what's second most played, Nico. Nico. And then we just see what happens. We take the skill match up. I think he did. He did fine in Cinderfors Online against yeah T one yeah, but he did poorly against you know Palfox. Palfox. So maybe it's the one off. Either way, but yeah, I think APA went to Korea really early after the LCS finals. 
he got here like before we did, and we got here really early. Yeah, he played. And he was playing a lot of games with Jan, like well. six hundred games. But when I checked his like profile, I was disappointed because while I respect someone that grinds and goes early to practice, something that I think rookies should do, mm-hmm. he was not playing the champs. I think he should have been. You know, I didn't see him playing fifty games of Jace. Right. I didn't see. He was spamming Orion and Syndra. Yeah, Orion and Syndra turned out to be fine because that's yeah. like cheap the meta in this tournament. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I don't see him having hundred games of Asir and Jace in Solitaire, mm. which is what I would have wanted to see if I was him. Mm-hmm. or in his team because it was notorious that Teal couldn't play LeBlanc or Jace and they were banning them whole playoffs right. because Michael Jace was OP as really OP yep and LeBlanc was really OP with stack shift especially right which wasn't getting nerfed freak in the game yeah Um. so I wanted to see that for example from him right I remember checking his profile I'm like why are you playing 6 in solo queue bro like, right yeah. I actually saw a 6 game when I checked his OBGG and I was like bro you're not gonna play one game of 6 at Worlds mm. you know not a single game Mm-hmm. Your team is not good enough to draw bands elsewhere. So that's something. But I do think that his champ pool wasn't the problem in this yeah. team. Because every team in Worlds has problems. Yeah. Some teams, for example, JG or Genji don't play Asir. Sure. Knight doesn't play it. Yeah, they just don't play yeah. it. And Asir is like a really high because a pick for a lot of teams like LNG or um who else plays? Yeah, Scouts and Amazing Asir. Yeah, for example. Yeah. But that doesn't matter because they draft around it. Mm-hmm. They find a way around mm-hmm. this kind of problem. Some teams don't play Vi. Some teams don't play yeah. Carry Stop. You can actually win Worlds with a couple Band-Aids. Exactly. Right? Like FPX won Worlds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dolby wasn't playing Akali. He was the most OP champion the whole Worlds. Yeah. But he had answers. Every year there's yeah. some teams that don't play some champs. And you have to figure out how you can work around it. Who can sacrifice for you to avoid this problem? Because yeah. you only have so many bands, right? And that's like the more important thing. How you work around it. Even though TL was band-aiding the whole year, did you see PO6 on stage reaction right after the game? He was crying, I think, right? He, yeah, he was, he was just crushed. Uh, you've been in that situation before. Yeah, even, like, even though you kind of knew it was going to end at some point, it's yeah. like when it hit him that it was actually over, it was just kind of overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, I had the similar feeling in 2017 when I saw Perks crying after we lost in groups. Mm. I also start crying a little bit because it's hard to see people you care about like yeah. that. Yeah. But um, for him, I'm not sure what he's going through. You can never know. But I'm guessing that almost a year ago, he won Worlds. Yeah. Like, he literally won Worlds. Yeah. In like the craziest Worlds ever. Yeah. And it was like... It's kind of hard to believe that the run's like ever going to end almost. Yeah. It's hard to think that a year ago, you were at the literal highest point you can get yeah. in a league career. You can't get any burn in this mm-hmm. in the best way possible as well. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, he's in NA losing to a wild card. Yeah. The only wild card left in the tournament mm-hmm. in that stage of the bracket, right? Zero yeah. two bracket. I can't imagine what he's going through. It's tough. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't, I don't even know like, if it's that or if he hates his teammates or if he hates the region he's playing in or if he's just embarrassed losing to Vietnam or mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. it is, right? Mm-hmm. It could be a lot of different things. Maybe he thinks his career is over now because he lost. Mm. I mean, I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of like career implications at Worlds. Yeah, which you see I did a, see, yeah. for what it's worth, I did see a lot of support for him online, which is different. Yeah. Like we talked about the difference current, currently this year about the way teams are treating like say Mad Lions versus TL. Like even though TL, as you mentioned, a disaster. <laughs> the the good thing is I actually didn't see that many people like rubbing it in online, which <laughs> which I I just, I think that's good. I, if, I if you're an NA fan and you want NA to do well, don't yeah. rub it in. I haven't been reading, but I yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, Pulisic played an overall good game. Mm. I think for the most part. Yeah, he had, a, he had a good kind of game. He had a good game against, against T1. T1. You know, he was making 
these plays that I wouldn't say they're necessarily good, but they have to be done. Mm-hmm. It's hard to play jungle, especially when you're on a team where you think if you don't do something funny, you will lose. Yeah. It's like the hardest mindset to be really, in. Really, really, really hard. Yeah, obviously the idea that if I don't carry, no one will. But sometimes that idea itself is what makes it so that's true. Yes, you know exactly. Because yeah. you make mistakes. I've been there as my, my, myself as an AD carry where you're like, if I don't carry this game, no one will. Yeah. And then you put yourself in danger and then you are the reason you're losing suddenly. Yeah. Yep. It's a hard mindset to be in and it's a lot of stress for him, I can imagine. So it's just like this circle of suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I want to ask you about Fnatic and this will come out before your game. Okay. Your so comments may can't age. Leak anything. Poor, you, you can't can, leak. I don't want you to leak anything, but I want to. <laughs> I want you to ask like kind of how do you feel about the draw from the C9 perspective and oh, what's the confidence level? Happy. Yeah. I'm very happy. Because I think the only team you may have rather had would have been Gam or, I mean, the Mad rematch might have been nice. For me personally, I don't care about like whether it's Mad or Gam or Fnatic. If you can't beat those teams, you can't beat anyone. Right. You know, you're not going to make it anyways. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, I'm happy we drew those teams. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, of course, I'm hoping we draw them as well in the second round if we make mm-hmm. it there. Mm-hmm. But like I said, beating some lows yeah. to make quarterfinals, like which is what maybe G2 will do. Sure. They, they it's be, they be, it's they, still going to matter what happens in quarters. They'd be you. down one and, and yeah. able to get there, right? Yeah. But like, it does matter to make it there. But if you lose to zero anyways, because you only beat like NA or something, like we could beat only Mad Lions all the quarterfinals. It would be pretty funny. Yeah. Like, Matt could uh, lose their game and meet us. Yeah. And we could beat them again and again. It could have actually happened. Yeah. There's a yes. s- situation. We could beat only LACs, not first seed team, all the way to quarters. Yeah. And then lose to, you know, whoever we draw there. Yeah. That G- would mean anything G- to me. G- yeah. It wouldn't <laughs> matter to me at all. So I'm happy with the draw, but, uh, you know, still got to beat someone. So, yeah. My, uh, it's not a big deal. I don't, I don't know if I've told you about this. My thoughts for Swiss is, I like the format because because it's unfair, but doesn't necessarily feel that unfair. Yeah, like it would have felt. I think the re- the thing that I'd like protections against would be like the triple rematch. Like that should just be impossible. Yeah, if that it didn't happen, but if it could have happened. But like if you lose to three unique opponents, even if those opponents are super tough, it'll still feel yeah, fair. Of, okay, you're else. not going to win worlds. You lost to three different teams. Yes. I agree. Um, but then it gives the possibility of a team sneaking through and it just creates kind of more exciting matchups. Yeah. There's definitely going to be a little bit of a sneak on both sides. At least yeah. one. Mm-hmm. For example... The winner of G2... I mean, <clears throat> G2 would be less of a sneak, but I would say like their game against uh, Weibo was a sneak. Yes, it was an absolute steal. It was an absolute a, a steal. Of like, yes, they technically beat them, but that was, that was a yeah, sneak. Yeah, I'm still baffled in how like... Mikex W'd as Rakan on Asir. He didn't actually have ult on um, the Rakan. And Asir had Flash, Starwatch, Ult, and E. Yeah. And nothing was pressed. Boop. And he hit him, ulted, and killed him. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Thank you, all down. They didn't even just sold. Especially, like, because, no way. especially because it was Scout. Yeah. And he literally, he'd just ah, been... Shao, sm- Shao. Oh, shoot. Shoot, you're right. Um, <laughs> I got them mixed up. Got the video. No, but just because <laughs> Shao, who is, has actually been playing really well as well. Yeah, he has. Got my head. For a long time now. Yeah. That guy's, I think, very underrated mm-hmm. as a pro. But yeah, I was like, wow, they actually did that and they won. Yes, that was a steal. Yeah. But like, I think if, if you're looking at, imagine you're like 0 2 and you're like, oh, I'm playing against that one. Yeah. You know? I mean, they they are legitimately still the only team from the West that's beaten the East. 
And they did it twice. So like they're it's not a sneak yeah, even if they beat I don't them. think G two is undeserved at all. Yeah. I'm going to give you some world stats, and you can react to them however you want. All right, uh, so the NA team that has the most games against EU is Cloud9. Of all they're time? 10 or... They're 10 and 12 all time against EU at Worlds. Not bad. The EU team what's, with what's the most games right? against NA is Fnatic. 33 games. They're 25 and 8. That's crazy. Yeah. What's my record against Fnatic? I wonder. Um, well, last year I was one one against them. That's the only yeah. time I played Fnatic, I think. Yeah, while been in the new. They've they've done it somehow. Uh, that's Worlds and MSI. Hate those guys. And then G two all time at the World Championship oh, is could be a bit worse. Four and four at Worlds, eleven and four at MSI. Hmm. So a lot of their wins are from MSI. And then the I NA team, the NA team with the best record all time against EU, CLG, seven and two. Hate those guys. Yeah, I mean they don't exist anymore. Yeah, they beat me. Yeah, energy. <laughs> yeah. Two of those wins are against I'm G2. part of those wins <laughs> yeah. on the other side. All right, Zven, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, two calendar days from recording this. I think you brought a little over 48 hours until, until the Fnatic game. So, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, fingers crossed that happens. I'm personally pulling for a double NA win, but, you know, I can't get too greedy because literally 0-2 is, you know, I'm prepared for it mentally. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you for joining JLXP. Uh, just an update on what we're doing here. JLXP will be releasing weekly throughout the World Championship. Let's Go will also be releasing on the LCS YouTube channel. We'll have bits from this podcast. I'm also going to be having dinner with Wild Turtle, who's here for a Korean boot camp. Talk about worlds with him as well. And yeah, even if NA does get eliminated, which is unthinkable, really, that's not going to happen. We're going to be here every week for Let's Go. So much confidence in us. You need to project. <laughs> You're like confidence. ready for us to lose. Yeah. Listen, I'm the most positive. I'm oh, of, yeah. Yeah, of the broadcast team. I am the most positive. So, okay, thanks like, for joining us. Good luck, but if you lose, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>